a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Boy, there are lots of things that are unfolding today. Hi, I'm Doug Wright filling in on Inside Sources for the next little while. And we're keeping an eye on the condition of Bernie Sanders. Uh, when I initially heard about Bernie this morning, someone used the term that uh, his campaign had been suspended. It has not been suspended. But what has happened is that he has canceled appearances and so on. And uh, we're trying to figure out exactly what the uh, issues are that caused the pain in his chest and caused him to cancel some of his appearances. But uh, there has been nothing alluded to, nothing at all alluded to that uh, there might be any suspension of the campaign or so on. So we're very very interested. We wish uh, Bernie Sanders well with his his health, of course. And then also, the president uh, had the opportunity again to have a brief press conference, not really a conference, but answered some questions within the Oval Office when he was uh, meeting with the president of Finland and then kind of took it out more of a statement back and forth between the two presidents and took some uh, questions. And now we're getting reaction to all of that. Uh, the descriptive word is combative. The president was somewhat combative today and uh, made some rather interesting attacks on various individuals by name and by action. So what effect might that have? We'll continue to cover it all for you here at KSL News Radio. Yesterday, we talked about the state of Utah annual report on homelessness for 2019. We talked about the uh, executive summary. We had uh, a guest on the air promising that we would again dress it uh, to a little greater depth. We had hoped and uh, we, we had the commitment from the mayor of Salt Lake County, Jenny Wilson, to join us. They immediately called us back and apologized and said that they could not join us today, but will at some time in the not-too-far-distant future, because the majority of the homelessness problem in the state of Utah is indeed epicentered. That's not to say it's not happening elsewhere. That's not to say that sometimes it's just because some of the facilities are here in Salt Lake County, but 66% of homeless individuals were found in the Salt Lake County continuum of care. 26% in the balance of the state, 7% in the mountain land continuum of care. So we walked through some of that and uh, with the help of the mayor's office, we chatted with some other individuals and I really appreciate Jean Hill joining us, who is the co-chair of the Salt Lake Valley Coalition to End Homelessness. Jean, welcome to Inside Thank Sources. You. Great to be here. Thank you, Doug. I don't know uh, how much of a chance you've had to pour through the report, but I was uh, more than anything interested just to get your gut reaction to how we are doing extraordinary efforts, at least in my lifetime, have gone into ending homelessness and dealing with some of the ripple effects of that uh, here along the Wasatch Front, uh, an unprecedented effort that combined usually governmental entities that work pretty much autonomously uh, combined under the leadership of then Speaker of the House Greg Hughes. And boy, it was interesting to see all of these groups and organizations, governmental entities come together for the, the Pioneer Park issue. And where do we stand? Have we made substantial progress? 
I think we have, and we are continuing to, because we're continuing that kind of level of collaboration and cooperation within the county now. And that began actually with uh, Mayor McAdams back in 2015 when he started the collective impact process and brought together all of the stakeholders across the county to really start working together to come up with a better system that responds more nimbly, but also make sure we're not just duplicating efforts and we're not just a series of different agencies fighting each other for the same funding. So that's, that sort of collaboration is ongoing, and I think we're going to see some significant changes as these months and years roll by, but we're already starting to see those changes, and that's the good news. I remember a specific incident. You mentioned Mayor McAdams, and by the way, Ben McAdams, uh, and now our 4th District Congressman, will be joining us tomorrow here on the program. We have uh, uh, national issues to discuss with him now. But I can remember on the the site of one of the now resource centers that was causing some heartburn that was out there by the Salt Lake County Jail. And I know there were people in South Salt Lake that were concerned. Mayor Cherie Wood, I know the, the leadership of West Valley was concerned. And I thought uh, Mayor McAdams at that time did a good job of bringing everybody together and addressing some of the issues. And now we are yeah. beginning to have some of those resource centers online uh, most of them at least two of them now in downtown salt lake city but when do you anticipate we'll really see if that now spreading it out a little bit and making each one of the resource centers a little more purpose specific rather than just dumping everything into one big shelter or resource center in the heart of the pioneer park area when are we going to see the fruits of that labor well, and I think you're already seeing it, and it's not right now. It's not the big dramatic change, and I don't know that we'll see a big dramatic change. I think we'll see change over time, and I think you know the big dramatic change has been the fact that the Rio Grande area is no longer the congested place that it was, with lots of human beings who are really suffering all sort of congregated in one small area, trying to work out their daily existence. So that big change has happened, but challenge of all of this is we're trying to make huge systematic changes at the same time we're making these geographic changes and that takes some time so we're starting to see with the two resource centers that are open you know some of the wrinkles that we're all going to have to work on figuring out the, the positive news is that that process is happening and it's happening in a much more effective manner now that we do have this new system where all of those stakeholders are at the same table talking about where are we going to put our efforts, where are we going to put the resources we're getting from state and county and other sources to make the most positive impact on the system as a whole and particularly on those guests in those resource centers so that we can do what we're, we've expected to do with the centers, which is have people come in, get the resources they need to become self-sufficient so when they leave the center, they don't end up coming back. So I think it's going to take a while. It's going to take, you know, several months. And I think we need to help the public understand, you know, don't get the idea in your head that you'll never see another homeless person again at some point. That's, that's completely unrealistic. But what you will see, hopefully, is that we are better able to serve people who have touched the homeless services system once, and we don't want to see them touching that system again because we don't want to see them having the kinds of setbacks that can be prevented and can be addressed so that they never have to go through this system again once they've done it one time. And hopefully we have far fewer who go through it the first time as well. 
I know years ago it seemed like every time we would focus on the issue, the, the focus was on, on the crime surrounding it. Uh, we'd, mm-hmm. There would be roundups, things like that. And it was, it was felt that it was kind of like squeezing the sponge. The water, right. the water didn't disappear. The water just went elsewhere. The way we've broken things up now, is that really going to help that issue? I've heard that year after year after year. Yeah, yeah that's fine and dandy. You cleaned up that area, but now they're out in Mill Creek, or now they're up in Weber County, or now they're down in Provo. Right. And I think what you hear from most law enforcement is, no, they were always there. You just didn't notice them. Yeah, <laughs> so <right. laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's part of this. But the other piece of it is that, yes, this new system with the new resource centers is recognized nationally as the best practice. And it, it's not hard to see why. You know, we know when you put 800 people in one building and it's sort of just the basic necessities being met, that's not going to help people move out of homelessness. That is really about providing an emergency service. What we're doing now is saying, yes, you need those emergency services. You need a roof over your head. You need food, but you also need help getting yourself to a point where you can get out of the shelter, get into housing, and be successful in housing because we've addressed all those underlying problems problems like substance abuse or mental health or even just you know you can't find employment you know we we have to look at the underlying causes of homelessness we can't just say okay we put you in a big warehouse with a roof over your head and gave you some meals now figure it out so that's what this model does and you know spreading those out was not necessarily because spreading them out is the best model but because having three smaller centers is the best model and geographically you know we we couldn't put them all in one area so that is a part of the the issue but it really is about you can't put 800 people in one building with insufficient staff and expect positive outcomes so now we're putting fewer in the buildings with more staff with more resources and that will hopefully help us to better address those underlying issues. Gene Hill is our guest right now. Maybe I can squeak in one final quick question. And by the way, Gene has been amazing today. She was very flexible because we did take that uh, press conference that was underway with President Donald Trump, and it uh, went uh, at the time period we thought we would have with Gene, and she was kind enough to reschedule. So one final very quick question. I'm hearing rumblings. One of the the ideas, or at least something that was floated around when we broke up the, the shelter system and turned them into three different resource centers and that model changed a little bit here and there back and forth but the idea was to close the the shelter the main shelter that everybody knows of right there just east of the just uh, north of the depot and just south of gateway i've heard some maybe contrasting things on that is that shelter going to close it will close. The bottom line is no one wants to close it until we've gotten all of the capacity we need to move people out of that shelter so no one's left on the street. And that's really what we're working on right now. We're finding, you know, again, some of those wrinkles that are coming are right now the uh, Gail Miller Resource Center has more women in the center than it actually is prepared for. So it can't bring men in yet until we figure out, okay, how are we going to address this overflow of women? Because we can't, right now there's some, you know, women in areas that are public areas. We can't bring men in while women are not able to get into an actual bed. So we're working through all of those pieces and there's, you know, no good moral explanation for saying, hey, we're just going to shut this shelter down anyway. 
regardless of the fact that we that doing so would leave people on the street. So it will shut down. It's just a matter of doing so in a way that addresses the human needs first. And that is making sure that there is the room for people to move out of the current shelter and either into housing or other situations that are safe or into one of the resource centers. Jean, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us Happy to be here. Today. Thank you. Yep. Gene Hill with us, the co-chair of the Salt Lake Valley Coalition to End Homelessness. We have much more in store for you, including a conversation about refugees in Utah. Now that the administration of President Donald Trump has uh, said we're really going to cut back on the number. No, it's not going to be 30,000. No, it's not going to be 110,000 like President Obama suggested. It's going to be more around 18,000 refugees that we will accept under an asylum basis. What will that mean for Utah? That's coming up on Inside Sources with Doug Wright.